I have two things. I got two confessions. One of the things is I've always been sensitive, but now I'm turning into a softie, and watching this is making me cry. I don't know if that's old age, soft heart, or need for more counseling. But regardless of it, is this is amazing. Because right now, I just want you to soak in the scene in so much death, in so much loss, in so much sadness. We stand and we look and we see and we celebrate life. And let that be something that fills us that as we look at these kids, these kids are a sign of the goodness of God in the land of the living. And they are a sign of life. And may we draft off that. And so right now, right where you're at, I bless you in the name of Jesus with life and hope and peace, and joy like looking at a newborn baby. When Kylie brings her daughter Cambry here, she wanders around, and it is just this, it's just joy embodied. And it takes me out of whatever mood that I'm in for that moment, because it'll change in two moments later, due to SMS, sensitive male syndrome that I have. But there is something about taking that moment and looking at a child and saying, God, we praise you and thank you for that life. And Lord, may that life be a representative of what you're doing in our church. That's my first confession. The second one is, I am battling allergies right now super bad. It is not COVID, I promise you. Everybody in the front row. So I'm a little bit stuffed up. My eyes are a little bit swollen. Don't worry. We're going to get through this together. I'm on a lot of cold medicine. So Brian promised he'd be real close to the stage. If it gets weird, he's going to pull me off stage, and we're going to go back into a song. Just remember, if it gets weird, celebrate life. Lord, thank you so much that you are here with us. I praise you and thank you for the opportunity to share. Lord, I pray in this time that my words will, the words that are of you will be remembered, and the things of me will quickly, quickly, quickly be forgotten. I love, Lord, how you contradict us. And Lord, that you're not only about rebuilding walls, you're about restoring hearts. We praise you for this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. For the last few months, we have been talking about as a staff some of the lessons that we see in Nehemiah. We've been in this series in Nehemiah, lessons from Nehemiah, a people and a place. But one of the things that we've been doing is we've been having conversations and kind of interviews and times of reflection with the staff. And so over the last couple of weeks, I've had the opportunity to meet with some of our amazing staff members. And we go through this list of questions just as a time to be able to take inventory. And some of the questions go from reflection to restoration, into rebuilding, into renewal. And the first question of reflection of what are the things that you've lost? What does this season cost? What are some of the surprise blessings and what are some of the things that you gain? And then we go into the idea of restoration. And as uh, Brian talked about restoring relationships last week, and we look, are there relationships or is there something that needs to be restored? And then we move into rebuilding and renewing as we will in the next couple of weeks. But one of the things that as I've been talking to our amazing staff, and we are incredibly blessed to have so many godly men and women who serve together and serve us. As I've been looking at this for myself, one of the places that I've gotten stuck is in this place of restoration. And I know that there are relationships that I need to begin to restore. But one of the things that I began to, 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 to uh, get just caught with and not being able to move is this idea of what needs restored in my life is a restoration of heart. That over the last 18 months, 
that there has just been circumstance after circumstance after circumstance that has really cut me to the quick. And it's been an issue not only of uh, what things can I control, but it's been an issue of saying, this has really got me to the place where I've even questioned who am I and what am I to be about? Is anybody with me in that, in the midst of this season, that you've got to the place and just going, you know, I love the fact that the family talked about right here, the identity, that in this season, it's actually all of the tragedy, the trauma, the difficulty, the long-term duress, and this is going to be a sad message, I promise it's going to be good, but all of that, sometimes it feels like the walls of our lives are beginning to fall down, and the bubble has been burst, and we're standing there going, who am I? What am I even about anymore? I know that on those months, for about six months, we recorded worship services online, and we would come here at dark on a Thursday night to an absolutely empty room, and we would lead worship, and John Stewart, the beloved St. John Stewart, and His Highness Peter... And Ben Hockey and others, we'd put Peter in the cage back there, and we would worship, and then when you'd finish, that's what it would sound like. <laughs> Nothing. And we recorded, I remember just kind of after that going, well, I guess it's time to go home. And we'd leave, and it felt like a message in the bottle that you weren't sure if anybody ever was going to get it until Sunday. You're like, oh, I hope, it's, I hope it connects. <clears throat> Not COVID. I'll say it every time. It's going to be funny every time. They're actually going to burn this microphone after. But one of the things that happened is that, is that happened over and over. It began to just cut me to the quick and really take me to this place of why am I doing this? What am I to be about? And it became that as we move into this time, there became the need to see that after a time of reflection, that I believe not only do we as a people, but me as an individual, not only do we need a restoration in relationships, but we need a restoration of heart. To be reminded of who we are. To have our identity, our dignity, and our purpose restored once again. And I love the fact that as we go into the book of Nehemiah, this is exactly what Nehemiah is doing. Because God in his brilliance doesn't do things just on one plane, but he has things happen on so many different layers. And as God is calling the people back to Jerusalem, as God is providing for them to be able to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, he's actually restoring the hearts of the people to who they were and what they were to be about. That it happened at two levels. Walls went up and hearts were filled to be reminded of who they were and what they were to be about. There's a great quote by Ray Bakke, who is a great theologian and evangelist who Brian and John Lamb studied under. And he said this, the exploited city dwellers of Jerusalem, for the, for the exploited city dwellers of Jerusalem, the rebuilding of the wall was as much about identity as it was about security. The rebuilding those walls was a physical reminder of them restoring their hearts to who they were and what they were to be about. And we're reminded that over a hundred years, Israel, a hundred years before the story of Nehemiah, Israel is destroyed 
Jerusalem is destroyed. The walls are burnt. The temple is destroyed. The people are either killed or they are taken away or they are left. And the whole people in a place is in shambles. It's not even recognizable anymore. And I'm sure that that was more than just a physical representation, but their very identity was saying, who are we anymore? We don't have a place. And how are we still a people? We're scattered all over the place. And then it gets to the time when they are to return. And God begins to put a honing vice in their hearts to return back to Jerusalem, reminding them of who they are, reminding the people of Israel that they are the children of God, that they are called by God, that they are chosen by God, they are loved by God, they are special to God, and that they are blessed to be a blessing both as a people and as a place. But as we read the beginning of Nehemiah, we see that the glory of the days of David and Solomon are incredibly tarnished by the tragedy of the exile. And it says, as uh, Nehemiah, he's in a conversation with his brother. I can imagine that. He goes up to his brother. Brother, what's the good word? Tell me what's happening in Jerusalem. Oh, bro, bad news. It's not going well. And this is what he says. Those who have survived the exile are back in the province, are in great trouble and disgrace. The walls of Jerusalem is broken down, and the gates have been burned with fire. And so they're in tragedy, and they're in disgrace. And not only have they lost the walls to their city, not only have they lost their temple, which is the nucleus of who they are, but they also have lost their heart, their identity, their dignity, and their purpose, and they're in massive trouble. And now is the time that God is going to intervene, and he's going to restore the hearts of the people through an amazing way. He's going to do it different this time, from the outside in. I love how God works different in different passages of Scripture. He will not be bound to a formula. Like, if you make an equation, God's like, how about I do it different this time? Why? Because I'm God and you're not. And in the book of Nehemiah, things happen different. And I must confess that I did not have a sermon until yesterday because I wanted it to be different. God, the way you were supposed to restore the hearts of the people and the way you were supposed to restore our identity is you first sit everyone down and you remind them who they are. You remind them. And they sit, and they talk about it, and they think about it. And then from there, they move to action. But I love in the story of Nehemiah, he starts from the outside in. He's going to go, no. The way that I will restore the hearts of the people is to contradict you. Contradict you. I will call you to action. And through that action, you will be transformed back into who you are and what you're to be about. And so he does these things, and he calls the people to come back. And the ironic thing for me is that he started with the wall. They were working somewhat on the temple, but the wall is the thing that is going to be into completion. And why did he choose the wall? Walls are to divide, aren't they? The beauty of a wall is that it does two things. It not only defends us from that that is outside, but it also defines that which is inside. A wall defines the boundary. The wall defines identity. All of the things in here, in this wall, that's who I am. That's me. And it will defend me from that which is not me, but it will also define who I am. There's a great author, family systems therapist, rabbi, 
He also worked in different administrations in the White House. He did it all. He lived a big life, Edmund Friedman. And he writes in his book, Failure of Nerve, he begins to talk about that as you look at an organization, you can boil it down to an organism. And one of the things is, as you look at the life of a person or an animal, the immune system is a wall. And in the 1960s, they began to think of the immune system different as that which defended from the things that were outside. And they began to look to say, the immune system actually defines that which is self. And so part of the immune system was to find this is who you are. And anything that would come in that is not of you, it will reject. Now, that breaks down. Leave it alone. I am not a physician, nor can I spell physician. But you know what I'm trying to say here. There is necessity that a wall is incredibly important. And God knows this. And he's going to do things at multiple levels because he sees as they build the wall, it will defend them from the foreigners who are attacking them. But it also will define who they are and their identity will be regained. Isn't that beautiful? God, the image of the walls of Jerusalem were to say, hey, everything in this inside of here, that's yours. And you and I get to fill it. And we will define it. And it will also protect you from that which is not yours. Another thing that Friedman talks about is that immune system grows with challenges. It begins to expand. And you see that the immune system and the walls of Israel expand. And this is a God-sized project when you read about it. I mean, some of these this walls that goes around Jerusalem, whether they had to rebuild the whole thing or sections of it, it's like two and a half miles of wall. It isn't like in my yard where it's like four by four feet. I have a very small yard. And it's like 25 feet thick. That's not a wall. That's a house. And it's, tw- it's maybe 25 feet high. It is huge. And then it's this God-sized project that he calls them to. And as he calls them to it, they will rebuild the walls and they will restore their hearts. So what I want to do is I want to take a moment because maybe I'm not alone today. Maybe some of you that are watching or they're here in the room are saying, you know what? I see the evidence of broken walls, but I also feel the evidence of a broken heart. And I feel that my identity and who I am has really taken a hit. My dignity has taken a hit. My purpose has taken a hit. You know, as I look at the things that we've gone through this last year, one of the reasons that I find myself at this place is it just seems like it doesn't stop with bad news. Every time I look at my phone or every time Brian calls, it's like it's, it's ruining our relationship. I'm like, oh, no. And every time I call him, he's like, uh-oh. But there is this place that there has been a lot of tragedy and trauma. We've had a worldwide pandemic. We've had a national race crisis, a political climate, infighting within the church that we haven't seen in a long time. We have violence. And you know, a lot of these things did affect us, but it was interesting because it was affecting everybody. But for me, the final blow was the shooting at King Supers when it came into our neighborhood. And that's where I said, Lord, I just feel like you burst the bubble and the walls have fallen down. And so for us as a people and as a place, what I want us to do is to look for a few moments at five things and I will be brief. 
Because I believe that these are things in which the Lord is saying, watch what I'm going to do. Because I'm not only going to restore a place, I'm going to restore hearts. Israel was in shambles, not only physically in their city, spiritually, emotionally. And God is in the business of restoring. First thing we see as we begin to look of how does God in this way begin to restore the hearts of the people is we see that there's prayer. That's going to surprise you. But I love this because I have my whole thing lined up. But the first thing that we see to begin the process of restoration, it doesn't begin with just trying to listen, make it happen. It begins with a prayer. We see that Nehemiah, after he finds out what is going on in Jerusalem, he is so moved that he's in pain and he cries out to God. He doesn't just hold it and write in his journal, dear diary, today was bad. Brother said bad news. Bummer. No, he goes right before the Lord and he says, God, I am deeply moved. This is terrible. And he cries out in these outlandish, bold prayers to God. And he cries out to God. And he says, God, this is so sad. This is so terrible. And then he goes in through his prayer. He goes into the confession on how the people and himself have wandered away. And then Nehemiah has the audacity to go before the living God and say, uh, Hey, big guy, I just want to remind you of the things you said to Moses. That's one of the things that, that when my kids do that, well, you said that we were going to, and the kids will remind you. Nehemiah is reminding God, you said that if we would return our hearts to you, you would return to us and return us into the land. He's reminding God of his promises, and he boldly prays, Lord, restore us. And then he says, give me favor to make this happen. And so how do we as a people begin to restore the walls that are broken around us when the bubble breaks? How do we begin to restore our hearts? The first thing is we go before God in prayer. And we pray bold prayers. And we pray honest prayers. And we pray that God will lead us and show us the way. The next thing that we see, and there's so many in here. Friends, I'll be doing an overview of this. I just encourage you that I hope this is just a a primer that you go look at the book of Nehemiah through the lens of God not only restoring walls but restoring hearts the next thing we see as we move he moves into the land and before he moves into the land he goes and there is a call to action right away he prays and then the next day we see him going before the king and saying king the reason I'm sad is my city and my people are in shambles and I want to do something about it and I want you to pay for it. The king says this, how long are you going to be gone? Tells him, he says, all right. That's amazing. The only question is how long are you going to be gone? Sure, we'll give you the cedars. Sure, we'll give you the finances. Sure, I'll give you the letter. So one of the things we see is once again how a heart is restored. It's from the outside in oftentimes. It's through situations of God's favor after we pray. We begin to see God moving and we step into it. After that, he gets the letters. He heads back to Jerusalem. And it isn't a long, it's a very short section. He goes to the people and he says, brothers, it's time for us to rebuild the walls. Tim's going to talk about next week about those people who... Um, who, who were against them. But what I'm going to say is there's not a lot 
There's this little section where he says, it's time for us to restore the walls to the glory of God. And the people are like, sounds good to me. And then right after that, the priests get up right away and they're the first in line and they go and they begin to work. And one of the things I love about this is when you are coming out of a time of tragedy and trauma, there is the necessity for mourning. There's a necessity for lament, but there is a time for prayer. And then there's a time of action. And one of the things that I love about this is what God and Nehemiah give the people is, this is a people who've been wandering for over 100 years and have had ownership of nothing. And he gives them responsibility and purpose. And it's like a cup of cold water to someone who's so dying of thirst. They go, oh my gosh, I get to do something. How many of you during the time of sheltering in place were just like, for the love of the Lord Almighty, is there something I can do? When I heard about the shooting, for me, is there something I can do? When there were the wildfires in our county. Well, forgot about that one. That happened this year, too. Is there something I can do? Because when a people are desperate and they have lost heart, one of the ways of restoration is giving them responsibility to own the transformation. Does that make sense? I love that. That's not how I work. I want to sit and talk about it. I want to sing about it. I want to stew on it. I want to wallow for a while. And Nehemiah says, get off your rear end. It's time to get to work. And here's what you're going to do. You're going to step in. Nehemiah, first thing he did, he did the thing that was in front of him. I'm going to ask the king if I can go. And while I'm asking him, maybe I'll ask him for to pay for it. God's favor. Next thing, he talks to the people. He says, we're going to rebuild the walls. The priests get up and they're like, okay. They go to the sheep gate, which is the section right in front of them, and they get to work. It says throughout the scripture, throughout the book of Nehemiah, there were times that there were people's houses adjacent to the wall. Guess what section those people worked on? The thing right in front of them. He didn't even need to tell them. They just got up. That's mine. I'm going to get to work. When we were coming out of tragedy and trauma, we pray. And then we act. And what is it the thing we do? the thing that is right in front of us. Some of us have been asking, Lord, what am I to be about? What's the thing that's right in front of you? Third thing, like I said, there's many, many, many things in this passage, but I'll keep them to three. After the walls are rebuilt, there's a time and he appoints the priests, the singers, and the gatekeepers. And he appoints them back into their job. These guys have been out of work for a century. Could you imagine the singers? Like, some old singers. 200, it says there's like 200 of them. They're like, me, 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 me. It's time to get back to singing. These people have not been doing what they, were do- they had done before for a long, long time. And they're out of practice. And some of the people didn't even know. I didn't know I was a gatekeeper. Yes, you're of the family of the gatekeepers. There's been no gates to keep. Well, there is now. Time to step in. And so one of the things that we see is part of restoring our hearts is restoring our role in the family, in the community, and stepping back into that which is God has called you to. Does that make sense? In times of tragedy and in times of trauma, you do anything. You see that when they're rebuilding the wall, it didn't matter if you were a priest, a prophet, a singer. I love, they're like the perfume guy. It says, and the perfumers, and they were working on the wall. They're like, man, you smell good. I know, thank you very much. 
But they were all side by side. It didn't matter what your calling was. You got to work on this. But after times of emergency, you move into what your long-term calling is. And they move back to being priests and singers and gatekeepers. And so one of the things within this is to find and restore our hearts, we must step back into our role of what the Lord has called us to be. The priests were to be priests. I love in the passage, there's sections where they're like, hey, we can't even find any of these people. And they're like, go get some more of them. And they have to go get some more. They go through the lineage. And it was so important that they had the right people in the right job that even writes of like, we don't even know who these people are or how they got there. It literally talks about them. It says, I don't know who they are, but you're not allowed to have our food because we're not sure how you got here. But there is a time. That as we're restoring our hearts and rebuilding our walls, we pray, we act, and we step back into the calling that the Lord has for us. And at the end of this, I'm going to do this, but I want to do it right now. I want to bless each of you that it is time to step back into the calling that the Lord has called you to. There was a time of isolation, and now is a time of engagement. We move on. The fourth point is we see in chapter 8, the people go to Ezra, who is the scribe and the priest, and they say, get out the book of the law. And he gets out the book. They build him a platform. He stands on the platform, and he begins to read the word. And what is the reaction of the people? They begin to weep. They begin to just cry. They fall on their faces. Why? Because they're so overwhelmed. It says that they actually have to tell the people, don't be sad. This is actually a good thing. But they were crying. It's like, no, these are happy tears. This is amazing. But they're listening to the word of the Lord being spoken again. And they are reminded of who God is. And their hearts are exploding. And they're filling. And the evidence of that is tears begin to fall. And they fall on their face after they return to the word. And they return to worship. All through the book of Nehemiah, part of the restoration of the heart process is worship. Turning our eyes, our minds, our hearts, our body back to the the nature and the character of God. And something amazing happens. The people are reminded that not only are they a people with a place, but they actually are people of the presence of the living God. And so, as a part of restoring hearts, not only did they build the walls... They return to the word, and they return to worship. And finally, you made it through five points. So Dan, if you guys want to get ready, it's going to be a good one. The last one is that while there is rebuilding of walls and the restoring of hearts, one of the processes is a detox. Anybody have to go on a diet detox after seven months of shelter in place? put on a COVID-19. But one of the things is the people of Israel, part of the whole chapter nine is them confessing their sin. They have to detox and say, God, this is what got us into this place. And this is what is keeping us in this place. And this is where we, God, have turned to false gods and foreign loves. Things that we were not to have. And oftentimes, in times of tragedy, and times of trauma, and struggle, we begin to turn to false things. I do that. And one of the things is as we begin to restore our heart, God calls us to a time of detox called confession to say, my bad, that was wrong. Please forgive me. I'm not going to get into all the details of this, but one of the things that happened is they began, the men began to marry foreign women. 
And this at the time was forbidden because they were to be set apart as a people. Let's not get into the, the social aspects of that. But just listen to the, to the metaphor. In the time of their distress, they began to go to foreign loves to fill their need. And that that was outside God's will. And so there was a need for them to come back in and confess their sin. And so as Israel was emerging into a time as the walls had been rebuilt and they got to see the physical walls that defended them and that defined them and that they returned to a place of being a people of action, that a people who stepped into their calling, that a people of the word and of worship, they also were saying, God, forgive us for the places where we failed you and forgive us for the things that we have done wrong. That's not my favorite one. I didn't want that one in there. But it's so important because what is happening is it's getting rid of the impurities. And it's purely being able to define their identity as a people of God. That their dignity is in who he is and who he calls them to be. And that their purpose is to be a people and a place of his presence for the whole world. For they are blessed to be a blessing. And now as I transition this, do you see parallels to your own life? That as we emerge in this season that we're in, some of us see that not only are there relationships we need to restore, but there needs to be a restoration of our heart, a restoration of who we are and what we're about. If that's you, I'm just going to ask everyone just to go ahead and close their eyes. Good pastor thing to do, just close your eyes. And... If you feel like you're in this place of saying, you know what, Lord, I find that one of the things is I need to have my heart restored, that the walls of my heart are broken down, and I need reminded of who I am and what I'm to be about. If that's you, if you just open up your hands, I just want to pray a blessing over you. Holy Spirit, you see my friends, I, my hands are open here too, wide open. And Lord, the first thing, I pray that they will have the courage to turn to you in honest prayer of how they are. They will honestly be able to go before you and say, Lord, this is what is going on. This is how it has been painful. And then may they not only be honest, but may they be bold. I pray for boldness in your prayers. I bless you in the name of Jesus for you to have courage of action that you will know what to do and that you will look and see the thing that is in front of you and you will step into that to say, I need to step in and do something. That the Lord has given me a responsibility and I will step into that responsibility because oftentimes responsibility brings dignity and it brings purpose. And so I bless you with that in Jesus' name. May you step in and say yes to that which is right in front of you. And for those of you I pray that you will either learn of your calling or you will return to your calling and you will step into that. The unique gift that things can't go move on until you step in because God has crafted you for that. I also bless you in the name of Jesus. I pray that the word of God will become something that is, it is a passion for you that you turn and that the pages are so illuminated by the Spirit of God that it feels as if you encounter Him afresh every time you read it. I bless you with that in Jesus' name. I also 
bless you with worship. May you realign everything about you in worship. And finally, may you have the boldness to go before the Lord and allow him to do what he did with King David and say, search me, O God. And will you go before the Lord and allow him to test you and show you where the impurities are and the places that you must confess and say, Lord, I've turned to a false love and false gods, and now I return back to you. I pray, Lord, you will do these things. I bless you with that in the name of Jesus. And now I bless our whole congregation. I pray that we may be a people and a place that follow Jesus and that we may know who we are and what we are about. And may the Lord not only rebuild walls, but may he restore hearts. Pray these things in his name. Amen.